What's up, guys? It is a Thursday night, and you're, you're not hearing things. This is not your imagination. Parental settings has returned. Um, my name's Ryan, and my wife is Lauren. And um, La- Lauren? Lauren, where, where are you? I've, how embarrassing. I just realized Lauren is not here tonight. Lauren is actually traveling. She is in Houston for a couple of nights. And that, that's part of the reason that we haven't done a show in so long is that we just can't get on the same page. And I thought to myself, it's been five months. I think people think that this show is over, but you know what? I just got charged again today, another 16 bucks for my monthly SoundCloud uh, hosting service for this podcast. And I said, I am not going to go another day without utilizing that. I mean, we've spent, what, 16 times five, 80, $80 just to have the old archives up there over the last five months. We need to be churning out new content. I said, Lauren, I'm sorry if we can't get on the same page when when you're home. I'm just going to have to do one while you're gone, and we'll just do a dad episode. So ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. My name is Ryan, and this is the dad episode of Parental Settings. A little boy, a baby girl, most precious things in the whole damn world. Diapers, fussing, playing the crime, parental settings show. Grab a drink, let's go to host Lauren and Ryan. Uh, like I said, it's a Thursday night, 10.40 p.m. as I sit down to record this. And uh, it's been a long day. I- I'm not going to lie to you. It's been a long, long day of solo parenting. Lauren left early in the morning. And uh, she did drop our two-year-old girl off at daycare. Um, the boy, six-year-old boy, stayed home with me. And I'll, I'll get to more on that later. But... Um, yeah, it's been a long day. It's been 15 hours since she left, and I'm just now at 10.40 p.m. sitting down and doing something for myself for the first time today. How, how often does that happen to you? Is it just me where you're awake for 16 or 17 hours sometimes before you finally do one thing for yourself the entire day? That's kind of how it's been lately. Um, you get up early in the morning with the kids, get them ready for school, you come back home, maybe make some breakfast or some coffee or something. Then you're zoned into work for the rest of the, you know, until 5 p.m. You know, you've got that hour for lunch there, but we usually spend that at the gym or I do some yard work or something. Um, you go pick up the kids from school. 5.30 rolls around. Somebody's making dinner. The other person's entertaining the children. Usually Lauren making dinner, me entertaining the kids. Sometimes the other way around. That's how it was last night. We, we mix and match here sometimes. Um, after that... You know, you're dealing with the girl's bedtime. um, Then the other parent is doing the boy's bedtime. We alternate on those. And then after 8.30, after the boy goes down, then we clean up the kitchen. We've got, usually have some laundry. We usually both go back to work for at least an hour. Um, It's sometimes 9.30 or 10 o'clock. We're up for, what's, you get up at 6 a.m. And by 10 p.m., finally, for the first time the entire day, you have an opportunity to actually do something that you want to do. And that's me today at 10.40 p.m. So I decided to record the podcast. And I am indulging in an adult beverage. Don't judge me. I'm having some uh, a rum and Coke. Um, I'm sorry, rum and Pepsi. Rum and Pepsi, actually. My, my friend Nick would be very pleased. He's a big Pepsi guy. Uh, if you've ever Have you ever met anybody who's really really dedicated to one brand of pop over the other or soda over the other. Well, this guy is, he's all about Pepsi, Pepsi, Pepsi. And I kind of am coming around on it. I think I like the taste of Pepsi a little more than Coke right now. So yeah, I'm drinking a Pepsi and rum. Uh, Does that not sound appealing to you? Mmm. I'm sorry. You're just going to have to deal with the uh, jingling of the ice cubes and the metallic straw in my cup. Because that's what we're going to do tonight. And there's some creakiness of my computer chair, which this chair sucks. Let me tell you what. It is, it's one of these computer chairs where you you know, you know pull the little lever and it hoists up. But within like three minutes, it's gone all the way back down slowly. So I need a new computer chair. And it's creaky. And uh, I, several times I've been on a Zoom at work and I lean back in the chair and I almost flip over. Like this thing is a piece of crap. So that's, that is uh, coming soon on my list. How's the volume here? I'm not really aiming for like ex- the, the sound experience here. I'm just trying to get things out and we'll deal with what, what comes. Um, 
So, what has happened since the last time we've recorded? Um, let's see. We've gone through some TV shows. Let me tell you first. I really got into F is for Family. I, I Not really a big Bill Burr stand-up guy, but his show F is for Family was hilarious. Loved it. Cruised through it. Um, Lauren had never seen Fargo, the TV series. We watched the first three seasons of that. And now we are three seasons into Shit's Creek, which I know we're a little bit behind the times on that one, but... Man, that, that is a quality TV program, let me tell you. Um, it gets you. You know, the season finales, man, so good. So, so good. People have been telling us about this one for a long, long time, years. And I, like, one day we'll get around to it. And we finally got to it. And I I love it. I, I should have known. Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara are in so many great things together, like Best in Show and Waiting for Guffman and some of those um, improv-type movies. And they're so funny. Um what is uh, A Mighty Wind? That's another great one. Uh, there's so many great things together. Uh, so yeah, Lauren's gone, like I said. She'll be back Saturday night. It's currently Thursday night, so I got some time here. Um, she she uh, Zoom called us tonight. Uh, the kids and I were just hanging out upstairs. We have a cleaning crew who comes every other Thursday, and they get here later and later and later. Um, this woman... It's normally just one individual, this woman who works for us, Claudia. And uh, this time she brought her like teenage niece with her to help. But they normally get here, you know, they used to get here at like 1 o'clock and leave by 4 or 5. And then it got to be like 2 o'clock and leave by 6. Now they're getting here at like 3.30 and leaving at like 7.45, which, you know, the house looks amazing. And it's a great bang for our buck. But, you know, we're trying to start bedtimes and stuff. So anyway, we're just hanging up, uh, hanging out upstairs waiting for the cleaning crew to leave. And uh, Lauren Zoom calls us, and I had just handed the the two year old girl my phone to watch some Cocoa Melon, you know, as kids do. And ten seconds in, Lauren calls with that Zoom, and and uh, our our daughter manages to answer it by herself, and immediately is just pissed off, like, "Bye bye, Mama, I watch Elmo," you know. She calls all videos Elmo. It doesn't matter. She actually hates Elmo now. She used to be in a big Sesame Street phase. Sesame Street is over. Done with. If you put on a Sesame Street video for her, she'll scream and and say, no, no, no. But uh, it's all Coco Melon now. I think that's like the new big thing. I, I don't know where Coco Melon came from. When our son was her age, like I remember Dave and Ava was big. There was a lot of weird stuff. Like I think kids YouTube videos have come a long way just in the last three or four years. Coco Melon was on the radar back then. I feel like it was like ABC, ABC Kid TV, and now it's Coco Melon. Um, that was kind of like a, a minor player a few years ago. I feel like and now they're way up there with Pink Fong and some of those others. So good for them. It's even on Netflix. But I always thought like Dave and Ava was like the class of like kids youtube animated videos i always thought those ones are pretty good they're, they're like a jack and jill song and johnny johnny yes papa i like those were some good like even i could get into that a little bit the hickory dickory dock one you kind of feel for that mouse in that video but uh anyway yeah our daughter is just hooked on these things and that oh, that school Today is the first day of school, or I don't know how it goes, but the first day of school song, we hear that one every morning, every night. How does that go now? I, I'm glad that I don't have the tune in my head. For the first time in months, I don't have that today is the day of my first day of school tune in my head. So I'm not going to not gonna go back to it. So that's kind of where we are. Um, I'll tell you a lot more about our day today later on in the show. Right now, I, I imagine some of you out there, maybe new listeners, maybe some of you were referred to the show from my wife, who I know kind of pushed this podcast on her Ravelry blog. Um, so let me take a minute to just tell you, who is the dad from Parental Settings? Well, my name is Ryan. Um, pretty unmistakable, uh, about six foot six, um, very long beard. Uh, very long hair. I have not cut my hair, at least on the top. I've cut it on the back and sides, but not the top during this whole pandemic. And it's getting to be quite the sight up there, but I think maybe at three or four inches, maybe longer, maybe five inches in this, in some spots. I don't think Lauren loves it, but I, I'm kind of enjoying it. It's fun to have some hair to like style again for the first time in many, many years. 
So I'm a native South Dakotan farm boy. Uh, moved to Minneapolis after college. That's why I met Lauren. We, we lived for a few years. I thought, I really, really thought at that point in time, I was going to be in Minneapolis for the rest of my life. My favorite city I'd ever been to, still my favorite city today, but we just had a really particularly brutal winter in 2010, 2011 that I guess kind of chased us out. Um, we, we got kind of serious about looking at maybe moving somewhere for a couple of years while we could because we weren't attached to anything. We didn't have a mortgage payment. We, we didn't have the greatest of jobs. We didn't have kids. Like There was no reason we had to stay in the Twin Cities forever. So we thought, now's our chance. Let's go do something. And uh, lo and behold, we ended up in Austin. Um, Austin's been very good to us. We've had great jobs here. We've got great friends here. We've bought a house that has miraculously doubled in value in 10 years or what is it? Eight years. Um, things are looking up in Austin. It's been a great time, but I, do I miss the old, the old digs up in Minneapolis? Absolutely. I really do. And you know, with, with kids, it would be really nice to have that, that family nearby. I think our kids have like 15 first cousins and they're all in the upper Midwest, South Dakota, Minnesota, and Iowa. How nice would it be to be somewhere where we're in short driving distance from them instead of way down here in Texas where there's no other family on either side, but we're here and um, we're making the best of it. I think a lot of our family enjoys having us here. It's a uh, kind of a fun reprieve for them in the winter months when it gets cold up there, they, they can always come down to Austin and hang out. Um, <clears throat> So yeah, we've been we've been down here since 2011. I never ever thought we'd be here this long, and uh, it doesn't seem like there's really any end in sight either. I I've kind of voiced some concerns at times that like, boy, it'd be nice, Lauren, if we could uh, if we could go back up north. But it's it just the cards have never aligned. Um, you know, careers have taken off here and. And uh, we we got to write it out for a bit, so it's it's not the end of the world. We'll we'll make it work. It's it's not a not a horrible thing. Um, as much as I'd like cooler weather now, I've got the whole I hate snow thing out of my system. I'd welcome it back, <laughs> but uh, it it is what it is, as they say. Well, what else? What else do you need to know about me before we move on and talk uh, talk some parenting? Um, oh gosh, I. Big, big fan of the Minnesota Twins, Minnesota Vikings, and the uh, the Chargers, the L.A. Chargers. Um, those are like my three teams. Since I started cheering for sports, like following sports professionally in 1992, none of those teams have won a championship. Um, the Chargers were in a Super Bowl in 1995. That's the only time a team I've cheered for has even been in a championship in my lifetime. I think about like all the, even the high school teams, like our high school girls basketball team made, I think eight state B tournaments. And every time they got second place, maybe it's not eight. Maybe it was like six. It might be eight though. I think eight times they made it to the state championship game and lost all eight. Um, No college team I've ever cheered for has won anything. No minor league team, like nothing. I have literally in my entire life of following sports, have never once seen a team win a championship, a team I'm actively following. Never. I've never seen a championship at any level. That is something that eats away at me every day. I really hope that someday soon, a team that I dedicate so much time supporting wins something. Maybe even just gets to a championship. I think I would just settle for that at this point. The Vikings or Chargers in a Super Bowl, the Twins in a World Series. That would be enough right now. It's never happened. I can't. I don't know if anybody else I've ever met has never had a team that they've cheered for win at anything. <laughs> but literally the closest I can come up with <clears throat> for a team that I was a part of uh, or cheered for anything, in college we had a co-ed softball team that won the, the spring tournament. There was like eight teams in the league and we won. Um... And then in eighth grade basketball, our junior varsity team won a weekend tournament of eight teams. So the if you're talking like these little like unorganized like semi-tournaments or whatever, sure, I've been a part of two teams in my life that have won something. <laughs> it's bad, man. It's bad. So that's kind of something I get hung up on all the time. Um, big Twins fan, though. I, I'm 
crushed that they got eliminated so quickly again this year. But we'll we'll be back there cheering for them in 2021. Um, some favorites, some favorites of mine. Uh, favorite TV show all time got to be Seinfeld. Uh, also kind of a guilty, guilty pleasure, a threes company, little house in the prairie, two of the great shows of all time. Um, freaks and geeks was one of my favorites. And of course the breaking bad better call Saul universe is great. Um, for talking favorite movies, dazed and confused is probably my favorite sideways is up there. Anything by Tarantino, a uh, big fan of Kingpin actually that, that Woody Harrelson bowling movie was so funny. Um, Pretty much anything with Bill Murray is great. Um, Groundhog Day. And then Back to the Future Trilogy. And then my favorite music, um, the music of Hamilton right now. <laughs> Lauren got me into that big time. We went and saw that on Broadway in December. And it was every, I, I had never heard of it. I didn't know a single thing about it. But now that's like all I listen to. I go through these phases where I listen to only one thing. One and only one thing. For extended periods of time. Any friend can attest to that. Um, In the summer of 2005, Weezer's Make Believe CD did not leave my CD player the entire summer. Um, In 2019, the only thing I listened to the entire year was Queen. We got into, we we watched the Bohemian Rhapsody movie and then everything was Queen, 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 Queen for an entire year. That is literally the only thing I ever listened to when I intentionally played some music you know i might have heard radio in the background or something but if i went to play something on spotify or you know alexa play blah blah blah, you know whatever it was always queen and now this year it's kind of hamilton um oh god i struck up uh alexa over here by saying that i guess that's about all you need to know about me um to finish it up hey how about Voting. I did that yesterday. I went and early voted here in Texas, the second day of voting. And uh, yeah, there was a big line. I think I think things bode well. Um, not to make this show political or anything, but boy, I posted something recently on Facebook. I just couldn't believe, I could not believe that there are people who are undecided still. That just boggles my mind that there are people out there, and a lot of people apparently, who have not made up their mind yet. And these debates and town halls and stuff are really important to them. Like they are listening to these to decide on who to vote for, which any other year, fine. I understand it. I get it. You know, that's normally how I had been in the past too. I very nonpartisan. I didn't know anything about politics very much in the middle of the road. I just am really stunned that there's a middle ground there. The people that I just don't know. I, I posed that question on Facebook. I said, is there anybody who's still actually on the fence here? Because I didn't think there would be. I thought 99.9% of people hated Trump or loved Trump. I thought there was no middle ground, but there was. And I was surprised out of, I've got like 1,020 Facebook friends, I think, or something like that. And I think at least 12 people commented on that post saying that, yeah, they were undecided. I couldn't believe it. They could be swayed one way or another. Um, anyway, so I, got, I did my um, civic duty and, and voted yesterday. Um, they give you now a, uh, a finger protector. It looks exactly like a little tiny, you know, condom. Um, it, I don't know how some people can keep a straight face while they're putting that thing on it. It it was hilarious. Um, they're like demonstrating, here's how you roll it on your finger. Like, okay. So they have the touch screens here in Texas. Um, so you put on the finger condom and you, take your card and you insert into the machine, you do your voting, you verify it. I mean, you get a verification screen. You look at all the names that have shown up here. Here's who I voted for. You make damn sure they're right. You click the print button. It prints out. Then you look at your card and you double, triple, quadruple check, make sure it printed the right names. And then you put it in the, like the big steel ballot box. Um, Someone in our neighborhood was claiming that it changed her vote. She said, I saw what it said on the verification screen. And when I hit print, it changed on the way out. And I went and I complained and they let me redo it. But that's very concerning. And I'm like, if this is real, if there's a machine that if you're not making this up, that actually changed your vote, this should be a major, major, major scandal. And how many, if this was true, you actually caught it. What if there's people who don't? What if there's people who don't look at the cards? So Texas has not necessarily made things very easy for voters this year. Um, 
it really does seem like our governor is trying to suppress the vote by making only one ballot box in each county where you can drop off mail-in ballots. So, I mean, there's tons of places to vote. I know the first few days are crazy. It'll probably not be as crazy next week. There's tons of places to vote still. You can go in early and get your vote in. I know that you can drop your mail-in ballot in the mail, but what, why get rid of all these boxes? Only one per county? Harris County, home of Houston, 4.7 million people in that county have to share one box. I saw a picture today online of there's people directing traffic to the box. Cars lined up for miles trying to get to this box. That, that is clearly voter suppression. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I can't imagine that Greg Abbott really thinks that, oh, there's a real chance of fraud here. He can't really believe that. So anyway, that's kind of what's on the mind of Texas voters, at least me anyway. Um, what else is going on? It's still hot as hell. Um, we had a day last week that got to 99, I think here in mid October, which the last time it's reached, I mean, the latest date in the year that it's ever reached hundred degrees in Austin, I, I read was October 2nd. We were one degree away from getting there on the 11th, which would have made me very, very angry, <laughs> but it didn't quite get there. Now I, I've heard we're going to have a cold front moving in this weekend that gets things down in the upper seventies or low eighties. So that's more normal for this time of year. And again, I shouldn't be complaining. This is what we moved down here for. That was what my friend Dan was yammering about. He was talking about February, not October. He was talking about how it was jogging weather, swimming weather in February. And that's what appealed to me at that time because I was so damn sick of being snowed in. So I shouldn't be complaining in the slightest. Um, but I am. <laughs> I, I like me some cold weather now. I, w- I swore I never wanted to see snow again in my life. When we're in Minnesota, when we were leaving, I'm like, I don't care. I never want to see another snowflake again. And you know what? It did snow here in Austin one time last winter, just a little dusting overnight. When I woke up, there was still some on the ground. And I went and I made a little snowball and I put it in a Ziploc bag and I put it in the freezer. And I pulled it out probably five times this summer just to remind myself that things will get cooler. Colder days are ahead. I know it seems impossible right now, but this snowball came from this yard. And it will come back again in some form sooner or later. Um, what else can I tell you? Oh, for a job, I, I, in a kind of a niche field, I guess. Is that how you say it? Is it niche? Niche? I don't know how you say that word. Um, I have a degree in web design and computer graphic design and double major. And uh, that kind of led to a career in marketing, doing like uh, print mailers and things like that at first. And it eventually led to email marketing, which... I started doing it in 2013 full-time, even though I'd been doing it on at least part-time since 2006. And today I, I've made a full-out career of email. So I'm an email marketing manager for a company and uh, manage a, a small team of email developers. And um, right now we are dealing with an ESP change. We are moving from one ESP to the other, which if you've ever, it's an email service provider. When you're sending corporate emails out, uh, B2C emails, you're sending you know hundreds of thousands or millions at a time sometimes. That's not, we're not talking about like a Gmail or something here. We're talking about the, the big email service provider that sends out <clears throat> all these emails at a time and you can set up automations and everything like that. So we are moving one to, from one to the other, one that has better technology, one that's giving us a little better deal, um, <clears throat> one that's going to provide us a little bit better support, actually a lot better support, I think. So that's kind of occupying my mind right now. And I also record uh, a lot of like IVRs, our phone trees at work, the Press one to be connected, that kind of thing. So, and I do a company podcast as well. Um, check out uh, soundcloud.com slash confident consumer. If you're interested in something else, um, I did a podcast recently with the folks at Love and Matchmaking, which is a matchmaking service, obviously. <laughs> um, these guys did a show on Bravo called Millionaire Matchmaker a few years ago. So it's kind of fun to be on a a call with those guys who actually have like real IMDB credits. Okay. I've rambled on way too long about myself here. I, th- I think we need to move on. So what has happened over the last five months in the world of parenting in our household? That's what you're here for, right? Um, <clears throat> so school was closed for a few weeks. I guess let's go back to the beginning of COVID. Uh, our son was in kindergarten at 
an elementary school near our house, public school, and our daughter was a one-year-old in daycare at a um, nearby, they call it, uh, I don't know, it's, it, it's like a, not really a daycare, it's more of a school, I guess, even for like little kids. Um, so that's how things were going for a while. Then COVID hit and they closed both down. There was no no daycare, no school, and we were still expected to work. I, I worked remotely full-time to begin with, so it wasn't a big change for me, but my wife was used to going to an office every day, so she was at home, and we're thinking, what are we going to do? Uh, we had been on spring break. We went on a trip the week before all hell broke loose, and uh, when we came back, it was like, well, we've got to figure something out fast. I mean, we're obviously not alone in this, but do we get a babysitter? Do we... Just one of us stop working. Do we try it? What do we do? So what we landed on was my wife and I went on our Facebook page, our neighborhood Facebook page. And we said, we're looking for a full-time nanny, basically somebody who can watch, you know, one-year-old and a five-year-old at the same time, maybe do some tutoring, do all their like lunches and nap time and everything. And we found somebody in that just the arrangement just didn't work. It just wasn't a good fit. I think there's a big enough age difference where with a one-year-old, you just couldn't do five-year-old things. With a five-year-old, you just couldn't do one-year-old things. And just, it ended up the one-year-old got all the attention and our five-year-old was just like left to himself. It didn't work out at all. Um, so we let her go and, oh no, what happened was the daycare opened back up. So we told the babysitter, we, you know what, with the one-year-old at daycare again, we can get by um, on our own. So my wife and I both at home, we could tag team the, the boy, uh, his schooling and everything like that. So we basically in the morning, we would take an hour. I'd take an hour and sit with him and do his schoolwork. Then she'd take an hour. Then I'd take an hour. Then she'd take an hour. That'd take us to noon. He'd have lunch. Um, then we'd kind of pop him in front of the TV for uh, the, the rest of the day. And uh, that arrangement didn't work either. We couldn't make it work. Um, we both just had too much to do at work. It was too, I'm not a teacher. You know, I, I do have a newfound respect for teachers. That is a lot of work to teach. But, you know, at the same time, if you are a full-time teacher, that's one thing. If you have a different job and you're trying to teach at the same time, that's a whole nother thing. So I'm like, sorry, a whole nother. That's not a word. A whole other thing. Um, so yeah, I've got a great respect for teachers, but at the same time, it's like, the the people who are trying to do their normal job and teach at the same time, that is, that's crazy. It can't be done. It can't be done. You have to devote to one or the other, I said. So we brought in a, a tutor this time, somebody who could get him through the end of the school year, at least with his distance learning. So we brought in a, a local woman who had worked at a school who had been, you know, out of a job ever since the COVID hit. So she... Um, would spend her mornings with him for about, I think, probably 10 weeks that got us through the end of the school year. Maybe not that long, but it seemed like it was a long time. And uh, I would sit out here in the in the kitchen at my computer, and they'd be in room over in the dining room, and they'd just bicker at each other. They're playing Uno and arguing about the rules. And But at the end of the day, they got – she was a good teacher. They learned a lot. He His reading improved dramatically. And then the school year was over, so we're, we're like, well, I guess we can just move on to another plan. And she, she left. And then what we did was we thought, well, maybe we can get him into some summer camps or something. And then bam, just like that, our daycare that he used to go to, the one that the, the daughter still goes to, decided that they would bring back alums and start like a daycare summer program for them. So that worked out really, really well. So him and like all his old friends from daycare that he hadn't seen since before kindergarten were now back together for the summer. And he just went there like he was in daycare and it was the perfect arrangement. And uh, then when the school year was about to hit again, we started thinking like, they're not going to start up in-person learning. He's going to be learning from home again. I'm, I can't do that again. So we were thinking, do we send him back to you know, school? What, what do we do? And then this daycare to the rescue again. Um, the school decided they would start this K through two program for the kids who were already going there for daycare in the summer, these alumni kids. So they started this very small, like K through two, like bubble, uh, 15 kids and our son went there. So that's how it's gone. It's actually been pretty convenient. Um, right now, uh, 
Right now, not so much. Um, if Lauren were here, she'd agree. Um, we, we got a call yesterday that somebody in the school had been exposed to COVID. Um, we don't know who. We don't, I don't know if it's a parent, a student, somebody who was just at the school for some reason or another, but somebody there got a positive test, so they had to shut things down. So our son is back at home, distance learning again. Um, the poor kid, I mean, he's been shuffled around from one learning arrangement to the next, but so is everybody else, more or less, to some extent. I know we're not alone in it, but it seems like he's gone through a lot of different arrangements from full-time kindergarten, that one brief nanny, us doing our best to teach him while working, then that other uh, tutor, then daycare, then the K through two bubble, and now back to distance learning again, all within a few months. So it's it's a lot, but he's doing well. Um, let's talk about the boy. The boy turned six this summer. Um, he's very, very tall for his age. He's the youngest first grader, I think. Uh, with a late August birthday, he barely made the cutoff. So he just turned six. In fact, he was five when first grade started. Um, very, very tall. Um, very, very smart. Very bright kid. Um, really great reader. Really great at math. We're very proud of him. So he, what, what does he love? He loves YouTube. Um, Kid City, Ninja Kids TV. Is that the one where the kid, I think Ninja Kids TV is the one where those kids have like the most massive teeth. And every time I see it, I'm like, why do those kids have such big teeth? And I know it's not nice. We shouldn't talk about that, but it's how I remember that show. I'm like, the kids' teeth are just like bursting out of their mouths. And then uh, Extreme Toys TV is like the new one. And people always say, you know, Ryan, you could do these videos. I'm like, ah, <laughs> theoretically, I could, but I do not have the patience for that. You know how much goes into editing those videos? I just, I have anxiety as it is some undiagnosed anxiety issues, sitting there and tediously like doing little special effects of somebody shooting a Nerf gun and stuff. No, I can't do it. There might be some good money in it. I know there is some good money in it if you're like the Kid City folks and stuff. Uh, just, that's not for me. Maybe if they're a little older and we can get a little more creative with some of the stuff, maybe. Um, what else? Oh, he got a Nintendo Switch for his sixth birthday. I always told him, you know, like I didn't get a Nintendo till I was six. My mom later pointed out I was actually seven. I didn't know that till it was too late. So we got him a Nintendo Switch for his sixth birthday, which Lauren and I have probably played just as much as him. Lauren was apparently a real Mario Kart aficionado when she was uh, rolling on the Super Nintendo back in the day. And um, I was a huge, I was amazing at Tetris. Not to toot my own horn, but Dr. Mario and Tetris, I was really, really good at. And I've been playing a lot of Tetris 99, um, doing really well there, almost always getting the top 20. Um, but yeah, I'm really surprised. Um, our son, believe it or not, has gravitated towards the vintage games. You can get all the like old Nintendo and Super Nintendo games on there for like 20 bucks a year. And that's all he does. He goes and he plays Super Mario three or Mario one or something. He's been playing Joe and Mac on Super Nintendo, like some weird stuff. But the great thing about these old games and the thing that's really cool is that if you're playing Super Mario brothers three, on the Nintendo Switch and you fall off a cliff and die, you just push the L and R buttons at the same time and you can back up and just replay it. So our son, six years old, has solved Super Mario Brothers 3 on one life. <laughs> uh, he literally reset or like backed up after he died, I bet at least 3,000 times, not exaggerating, 3,000 times, probably got hit by a Goomba and shrunk and then like, oop, backed up, do it over again. But he did it on one life. He never actually died. Um, I mean, look, he'll, he'll do some whining. He, he, I took him to HEB today, our local grocery store, to get some cleaning supplies. And he saw a Nerf gun. And, Daddy, I gotta have it. The kids on YouTube have 20, and we don't have any. Like, okay, buddy. Yeah, yeah, put it on your Christmas list. I'm usually a pretty big pushover for those sorts of things, but I, I held my ground. He did not get a Nerf gun today. Not from a grocery store on a random trip to get cleaning supplies. No, sir. The other, the other thing that's mildly, moderately mildly concerning, um, he's not very independent yet. I mean, as great of a like reader and, and, and all he is at math and the school stuff, like when it comes to everyday items like, okay, buddy, it's time to get dressed. I need you to do it for me. 
Like he wants me to go and pick out his clothes in the dresser and put them on him, like arrange his socks just so, put his shoes on him, strap them just at the right level of tightness, um, things like that. It gets time for bedtime and it's like, you brush my teeth. And he just stands there motionless while I stand behind him with a toothbrush scrubbing his teeth. So that's something we're definitely working on. It concerns me a little bit. The girl who just turned two, literally two days ago, could not be more opposite. Let me tell you, is everything is my do, my do. You better dang well not try to put a diaper on her. She wants to do it. You better not try to wipe her butt. She wants to do it. Um, brushing her teeth at bedtime, she wants to do it. Washing her hair in the bathtub, she wants to do it. All these things she wants to do. She wants to buckle herself into her car seat. She wants to get herself out of her car seat. Complete opposite of her brother in that regard. It's kind of refreshing in a way. Um, she's definitely been easier. Like nap times and bedtimes are just night and day from that kid. I don't know if it's our parenting style or the personalities or what, but it, it is a it has been a 180 from one kid to the other. But she just turned two the other day. You know, she's also very, very tall. I want to say like 96, 97 percentile. Um, also very bright, you know, anything that her older brother can do, she can do. She's been walking down large flights of stairs by herself for months, um, speaking full sentences. Um, what else? Oh, yeah, I said the Coco Melon videos. She, she's alternated between mama and daddy phases where our son has been mostly to this point about me. It's been mostly daddy, daddy, daddy. Um, the girl has split very evenly right now. It's definitely a mama phase. Um, she couldn't give two craps about me the other night. Lauren went to the gym after dinner. <clears throat> I was doing her bedtime and she has screamed bloody murder the whole time. Mama, mama, mama. And, uh, Lauren finally got home. Then, mama. <laughs> so we've had it both ways. Um, our son has a t-shirt that he had my mom print. She's in the t-shirt printing business, a little side gig that says, I like my daddy very much. That was a uh, slogan he made up. And um, the girl has a, a matching shirt that says, I, I love my mama very much. So ah, that's kind of a wrap on where they are. <laughs> um, by the way, if you're just wondering, there's there's no real... <clears throat> we're not getting to anything greater in this episode. This is the episode is me rambling while drinking this Pepsi rum. So <clears throat> you'll just have to bear with. And if you've made it this far, kudos to you. Thank you very much. A one person podcast. It, I, you know, I thought it was gonna be more challenging, but you know what? You write a jot, a couple of notes down on a post-it note. And uh, it turns out you can talk for quite a while. I, maybe I've had some things in my chest here. I needed to get out. Well, moving on, I was going to talk a little bit about the pandemic in general. Um, look, I think that it's real. I know that it's real. It's obviously not a hoax. I'm not one of these people who thinks that it's a hoax. Or I'm not one of these people who thinks that it's some sort of democratic plot to th overthrow Trump or something. I don't believe that. I think it's real. I think it's very dangerous. And some people are going to get it and not even know they had it and not have any repercussions and others are going to die. You know, it's, I understand there's very different levels of danger involved. Um, personally, I do think a lot of deaths could have been prevented if there had been better leadership from the top down from the very beginning. If, um, you know, somebody in charge received information in March or February or whatever it was saying, Hey, this is a really potentially deadly thing. We need to get in front of this. And this person said, eh, I don't want to create any panic or alarm. Let's just let it play itself out. Don't necessarily think that's a gr the greatest approach. Um, look, I, I don't want to get it. I'm not one of these people who is out there. I don't care if I get it. If I get it, I get it. I'm going to live my life. You know, I don't, I'm taking precautions, man. I don't want to get it. I have some underlying health concerns. I'm unusually tall. I have a heart that, uh, you know, has, has had some issues. I have high blood pressure. Um, I, for my own health and wanting to live to see my kids graduate and get married and stuff like that, I, I don't want to get it. And I also don't want anybody in my family to get it because having a quarantine for 14 days with the four of us locked in this house would not be any fun. 
Um, look, I always wear my mask every time I go out in public, unless I'm like just going on a walk. Um, if I'm just going on a walk through the park or something, I won't wear it. But so yeah, I, I wear it anytime I go out in public, go to Whole Foods. Of course, I'm going to wear it. Wear it in the parking lot. Wear it all the way up to the store. Whatever. I'm like, I'm not going to mess around with that. Austin, where we live, is a pretty liberal city, a very liberal city as far as Texas goes, anyway. And and uh, people are following the rules around here. It doesn't seem like it's a problem at all anywhere that I've seen in Austin. Um, you know, I do my best to social distance, follow whatever guidelines, whatever business lays out. I'm just abiding by the rules. But at the same time, I'm not taking it to extremes. I'm not hunkering down. I do know a lot of people who are hunkering down, believe it or not. Like, and I wouldn't say that these people are, I'm not judging them. I'm not saying they're wrong to do so, but hunkering down is probably the best way I could describe that most over half of our Austin friends, that's what they're doing. They are really, really cautious. I'm not really, really cautious. I'm, I'm cautious. I'm following the rules, but I'm, I'm going outside boundaries that some other people here I know don't. Um, Lauren and I still go to the gym. We go to Lifetime Fitness at least three times a week. Um, I've been to a couple of restaurants, not very many, um, been to a bar a couple of times. Little Woodrose is this bar right around the corner from our house that I've gone there a couple of times just to get out of the house. Like I don't have anywhere else to go. Like Lauren can go to her office once in a while if she wants. I can't go anywhere else. I'm stuck in this house. So when Little Woodrose reopened recently, they added a grill to get around the loophole of you have to serve food. So now they have a grill. Um, so I went there like one random like Tuesday or Wednesday afternoon, got there at three o'clock and just set up in the corner with my laptop and just sat in a way away from everybody else and had a couple of beers and, and worked for a few hours. It was great. It was a great experience. I did not for any minute there feel remotely unsafe. Um, when the waitress came over to see if I need anything, I quick pull up the mask and, you know, we'd I'd place an order and, you know, I think we've been to three restaurants during the pandemic with the kids um, it just, it doesn't feel unsafe to me. I feel like Austin restaurants that are open have done a really, really great job. They move the tables way apart from each other. You have to wear a mask anytime you stand up from the table. There's oftentimes dividers and stuff in there. It, it feels safe to me. Um, you know, obviously we've sent the kids to school and daycare this whole time. I know people who haven't. I know kids who have been at home this whole time who are just dying to play with a friend. Like... <laughs> But to each their own. Everybody's got to do things their own way, what they're comfortable with. I, like I said, I think that I've got some undiagnosed anxiety. And I just, I am not the kind of person who could sit in the house day and night and go out only for essentials. I just can't do that. I would go crazy. Um, So that's kind of where we are. And I'm comfortable the way we've done things. And I don't have any guilt about anything that we've done. I think we're following the rules the best we can. And there were two things. We actually traveled by plane twice during this thing. That's the only two times where I would say that we really, like, really stepped outside the boundaries of what most people are doing. Um, it's not to say like nobody's getting on an airplane, but I know a lot of people who fly a lot that haven't flown during this. I flew from Austin to South Carolina right at the very beginning of it for an email conference before people were wearing masks and social distancing and all that. But it was all like shit was hitting the fan while I was there. Every minute that I was there, I was getting more and more nervous that. Oh, crap. They just said there were nine people in Texas that have coronavirus. Oh, my God. Am I going to be able to get back home? (laughs) And then uh, over 4th of July, uh, Lauren and me and the kids went back up to visit my parents in South Dakota. Now, I know South Dakota is not um, exactly receiving the best press about the way they've handled the pandemic. And I I agree with that press. It's, It's not been impressive, but... Look, I'm not going to go like a whole year without seeing my family. Um, And besides, the 4th of July week, the kids were off school. It's burning hot down here. I'm like, we're getting up there. I don't care. We'll drive. We'll fly. Um, So we flew up there. And look, my parents live on a farm in rural South Dakota. Once we we landed in Sioux Falls, my dad picked us up. We were isolated for the next week. We didn't see other people, really. Um, We were on a farm that was 35 miles from the nearest city of any significance, Um, And we basically stayed there. Um, We had a great time. We had a great time up there. It was a lot of fun getting out of the city. I don't think, I think, honestly, I had done the math. Like in 2020, 
I had not stepped foot out of a city until we got up to my parents' farm there. Um, I'd either been in Austin or in Las Vegas or in Atlanta or something like that. I'd been in a lot of cities. I had never been out in the country. It was kind of weird to me having grown up in the country. Um, and it was refreshing. Like I just went out and I stood in the middle of a pasture one day. I got up early and I just walked out in the middle of the field and I just stood there. It's like, I don't hear anything. There's no cars going by. There's no, um, there's nothing. It's just, it's silence. Hear the occasional like moo of a cow. Um, it was very refreshing. I really needed that. And, uh, the kids loved it. My sister has four kids. My brother has three kids so that all the cousins were there. And uh, they just they just had a great time. In fact, man, my parents actually have a pretty good setup there at the farm. I mean, aside from just having like acres of open land to run around on, uh, you know, cousins live next door. They have a great big pool. Um, they have a trampoline. My dad has go karts, and they have all sorts of like fun farm things to play around on. There's bottle calves to feed. They have a boat and a lake nearby. And it's like there's endless things to do out here. Normally you would say Carpenter, South Dakota versus Austin, Texas. Are you kidding me? But Carpenter in that situation during a pandemic totally won out. The kids did not want to leave. They were devastated to have to leave. Um, so it was a great trip. And, you know, aside from the flying, flying was not the greatest. We were packed into flights on American Airlines and there was, you know, we were wearing masks, but there was no distancing. I mean, People were sitting directly next to me. Um, it didn't feel very safe. We didn't get coronavirus, but it just didn't feel safe. You know, we got home and we kind of felt things out for a few days and like, yeah, I think we're in the clear. Um, and then a couple of months later, I took the boy up there by myself. Um, we flew up for a four-day weekend. My grandmother's funeral was in late September. She had passed away earlier in the year, but because of coronavirus, they couldn't have the funeral until then. So they decided, like, enough was enough. We can't wait any longer. We're going to do the funeral. Come if you can. I understand if you can't. Like, I I miss my other grandma's funeral being down here in Texas. I'm not going to miss two. So we flew back up there, me and my son and, uh, and uh, Lauren and the girls stayed home. We uh, This one was a little different. We, instead, the first time we flew into Sioux Falls, which is a not a big airport, but large enough to have multiple gates. This time we flew into Watertown, which is a city of about 20,000 people. It has one airport that has one gate and only like three or four flights per day. It's just a very fun experience. Like we flew from Austin to Denver, Denver to Watertown. That flight had like 10 people on it. Uh, it felt very safe. As soon as you get to South Dakota though, you go out in public. We went out to lunch at Buffalo Wild Wings in Watertown. Not a mask to be found. The place was just... I mean, people there are following a different set of rules. In Austin, you would not go into a restaurant without a mask on. In Watertown, South Dakota, you would not go into a restaurant with a mask on. It was, uh, it was weird to see um, how differently they, the, the, the way that they're handling it up there. Um, any place we went the whole time, it was, it was weird. It was a whole different world. It was like, there's no pandemic up here. What are you talking about? We went to a, a little butcher shop in the town of Clark, South Dakota, and not a single person in there had a mask on. And they're cutting up, you know, they're butchering hogs and stuff in the store. Not a mask. We went right up to the counter. Nobody wearing a mask in the store. Um, while we were there, it just so happened there was also a family wedding going on. Um, I didn't go there for that. But since it was going on, I thought, what the heck, let's go. So my sister's boyfriend and I went to uh, the local casino in Watertown, Dakota Sioux Casino, where fun is a sure bet. Um, they were wearing masks in there. You had to have a mask on. In fact, we both did pretty well. We had a few beers and won a few bucks and um, it felt normal there. Everybody was wearing a mask. But as soon as we got to the wedding, um, my sister's boyfriend and I walked in and we were the only two with masks on at the entire place. And I had my mask on for quite a while, like up until dinner and it was starting to get looks like I felt very weird. I was feeling judged <laughs> at this wedding for wearing a mask. It was like, lose the mask, man. You're fine. And a, a few beers in, I kind of let my guard down and I took the mask down. And, you know, that's the kind of thing I've been chastising people for for months on Twitter um, oh my God, who do they think they are going to a wedding without a mask on? You're ruining it for everybody. 
And then I did it myself, and I felt very guilty about it. Um, now, granted, we were at a table with family sitting there eating dinner together, and I wasn't necessarily like in the middle of the dance floor or anything like that. But, you know, I went up to the bar without a mask on and stuff, and it just felt weird. I felt like I had done something really, really wrong. <laughs> and I got back to Austin, and I just started going through my head, like, I'm, I'm feeling weak and fatigued and never mind the fact that I took a six-year-old um, on a trip through multiple airports by myself. I mean, that was the exhausting part. The wedding and the funeral and the, the travel. I was fatigued because of that. But I had tricked myself into thinking I was fatigued because, oh, I got coronavirus at the wedding. So I did go in. I got the test. Um, I, I was feeling ill. And I traveled to a place known to be like a breeding ground for coronavirus. So I signed up for the, the free test here in Austin. I uh, went to an abandoned Home Depot parking lot to get my test. Um, you drive in with your car. You just hold up your driver's license up in the window, and they see it, and they scan it, and everybody's in hazmat suits. Now, it was a gray, cloudy day. Everybody's head to toe in, like, these big yellow hazmat suits, and you're going through a parking lot that has, like, it's been abandoned for a couple of years. There's, like, weeds growing up through the concrete, and the Home Depot sign is missing most of the letters, and it's just, like, what, what is going on? Like what, if I had seen this video a year ago of me going through this thing, what would I have think happened? It did look apocalyptic. Um, <clears throat> so I went through and I did the test. It wasn't comfortable. The nasal swab thing. I mean, they get up there pretty far and it stayed up there way longer than I thought it would. Um, but it wasn't that big of a deal. I, I, it was starting to tickle. I'm like, okay, you can end this anytime now. And 48 hours later, I got the results. I was negative, which I, eventually came around on and suspected would be the case, but I had fooled myself into thinking that, Oh, I definitely got it. I definitely got it. You hear about it all the time. That main wedding where seven people that weren't even at the wedding died and thought this is, I don't want to be associated with that, but it didn't happen. Nobody there got it. Everybody was fine. Thank God we got lucky. Um, but it was weird though, how I was in the mask and I definitely saw people looking and pointing like, Oh man, that guy must have coronavirus. He has a mask on. Stay away from that guy. It was kind of the vibe I was getting. Um, I got lucky. I won't do it again. And then, yeah, what else? I guess, uh, you know, aside from grocery trips, trip to Target or something like that here and there, we haven't done anything out of the house. Like drop the kids off at school. We go to the gym. We do our grocery shopping and stuff. That's really it. I took the kids bowling once. Um can't even think of anything else we would have done in Austin. It's really been, we've been pretty good about it here in town. Well, we're running out of time here tonight and I'm losing my voice and uh, the ice has melted in my delicious Pepsi Bacardi. Ah. What's on the horizon? Holidays. We have uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's coming up. Big breaks for the kids at school, assuming that school's in session. Um, we have three weeks off for Christmas and New Year's. That's going to be a challenge. It's not like we, we can fly up to Minneapolis. Lauren's parents are a little bit high risk. Um, I don't think we're going to be able to do that this year. So I'm like, what are we going to do? I can't sit at home with them for three weeks. <laughs> I could take a week off. Lauren could take a week off. But... We're still going to be sitting around the house, like looking for things to do. Austin's not completely reopened yet, and it might be even shut, be more shut down by that point. So that's our next big thing to start thinking about. It's hard to believe it's that soon already, but we're two months out. We got to come up with a plan here sooner or later. I, I hope we can either go somewhere or a family come down here. That would be great. I guess the other thing that I, I had intended to spend a little bit more time on is that Lauren and I have actually been talking about doing solo trips. To recharge the old batteries, um, get back to, uh, you know, doing our best parenting that we possibly can. And we don't have any family down here. It's not like we can just call up my mom or Lauren's dad or whoever it may be and say, hey, come watch the kids for a weekend while we get away. It's not that easy. Like, And also at the same time, it might be nice just to do a solo trip. Would it be nice? I mean, of course, I'd love to spend a weekend, just the two of us. But it might actually be even more beneficial for me to just spend a weekend alone 
and for Lauren to spend a weekend alone. I don't know how many couples do things like that. I don't know what people think of couples who do things like that, but I want to do it. And we've talked about it and it sounds like a great idea. Um, I want to go do a, a thing where like, here's my plan. I'm going to take a half day on a Friday. I'm going to drive at least two hours out of Austin so that I can't just like run back into town for something. I'm far enough away that I can't just be called upon and can't feel guilty. Like, Oh, Lauren's just down the street. Um, if something happens, so here's my, what, what I want to do. I want to find an Airbnb that is in a smaller town, a town of like 5,000 or fewer people. Um, it's on the outskirts of a small town, uh, a whole house, a small house, something that has a hot tub, um, something that is close enough that if I wanted to walk down like a main street to a shop or get a beer at a bar or grab a takeout at a restaurant or something, I could but also secluded enough that I feel like I'm kind of outside of a town. I want to be somewhere that is within walking or short driving distance from a really great hiking trail. So here's my thing. I, I leave on a Friday after work. I mean, a half day. I leave a, at noon on a Friday. I drive there. I get in whenever the Airbnb opens, like around three or something. Um, I've got like a, a bottle of scotch with me. I got something to throw on a grill. They better damn well have a grill. Um, I'm going to, that night I'm just going to, I'm going to get there. I'm just going to settle in. I'm just going to chill. I've been writing a novel during the pandemic. I've actually, I've sent it out to a few people to review. I've never heard anything back. It probably sucks, but I've devoted a lot of time to it. Um, that'd be kind of fun. I think I get there. I just chill out, have a drink and write and, and edit and, uh, put on a movie, maybe make some dinner on the grill and just sit there and, relax for a night, not have to do any kids' bedtimes, not have to f- feel guilty about not doing a kid's bedtime. Um, I'd go to bed whenever I felt like going to bed, wake up whenever I felt like waking up. The next morning, I'm going to go to this hiking trail. I'm going to like bust my ass on this trail, walk 10 miles, burn a couple thousand calories, whatever it is. And I'm going to come back to the house and I'm going to do the same thing again the next night. Maybe I'll walk down Main Street or something, like poke my head into a bar and grab a beer or grab a takeout from somewhere, come back to the house and just chill again and just do the same thing again. Then Sunday morning, wake up, drive back home. I'm a new guy ready to attack this parenting thing again. Wouldn't that be nice? Doesn't that sound amazing? That's what we both are thinking. That's what we both want to do. We think that the other person will, yeah, you'll be stuck at home with the kids alone for a weekend, but even that's not, not the end of the world. I mean, I'm home with him right now, and it I'm not going to say it's easier, but when you know that the other person isn't there and it's not even possible for them to contribute, you just are on your own schedule, and you do things the way you want to do it, and like, I don't know, in a way, it is almost a little bit easier, not really, but if you, there's a way you can trick yourself into thinking that it's easier, um, I've managed to successfully do that at this particular moment it must be those rums. Um, I, I think that both of us deserve it. I think that we both owe it to ourselves to do it. I think we're going to do it. Um, Lauren has said I should be the first one to do it since she's taking this current trip. So I am going to start looking, seeing what's out there. I want to, I don't even care what city it is. I don't care if it's Johnson city or, or Kerrville or Fredericksburg or what it is. I just want some little town and I wanted to have a hot tub and I wanted to have a charcoal grill and I want to be able to sit outside and just look at, uh, look at the stars and whatever that I've told you what I want. Lauren, I think has the same basic idea. Um, my plan B was way different. I was going to go all the way to Louisiana. That's a state I've never been to. I've only, there's 11 States I haven't been to. That's one of them. It's not that far. It's a three hour drive. Maybe a little longer. I was thinking of going to like Lake Charles, Louisiana. They have a casino there. They don't have casinos in Texas. I'd stay at the casino, do a little gambling, do that. A completely different mindset. Not the hiking trail. Not the sitting out there and grilling. Not the hot tub. It would be in a hotel room with a buffet and slot machines. And I don't know. That's that's a different mindset, but it's also appealing We'll see. We'll see. Those are the two things we're considering. 
So um, those two things I'm considering. I don't really know what Lauren's considering, but we're going to get those on the calendar before Christmas. We've got to do it. We've got to do it. We keep talking about it. We don't do it. We've got to do it. So, hey, we're coming up on an hour. I got to go. It's late. I've got to go to bed. I've got some parenting to do tomorrow. Parental settings out. Now. A little boy, a baby girl, most precious things in the whole damn world. Diapers, fussing, playing a crime, parental settings show. Grab a drink, let's go to host Lauren and Ryan. 